At Oakstar Bank, our mission is to create meaningful relationships by creating extraordinary experiences for those we serve. Our motto for achieving that is to create a difference and leave a legacy. That is not just something we say. It is something we believe and strive to live each and every day. We don't see those we serve as customers. We see them as friends and neighbors. We believe our community should be a better place because we are here and we take that commitment seriously. We look forward to continuing to serve you. Oakstar Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. It's time for our Community Spotlight, brought to you by Oak Star Bank. And today our guest is uh, Dr. Kara Meller with uh, Compass Health Network. Uh, good morning, Dr. Meller. Good morning. And, uh, and welcome to the program today. Normally, uh, country boy Don Williams in here with you, but uh, I'm filling in for him today as he is unavailable so we uh, welcome you on a wednesday morning well thank you it's good to be here it's feeling a little bit like winter again out there <sighs> the last couple of days for sure but uh here we are gonna warm back up a little bit and t- and, and and that brings me to a question right off the bat for you uh being in the medical field with the up and down temperatures that can affect our health from time to time is it easier to get sick when it's 20 degrees one day and 80 degrees the next day because of that variance of of uh, temperature? That's a great question, and the short answer is yes. Okay. For some people, it's more severe than others. For instance, if you have underlying lung conditions like COPD, asthma, things like that, this is a great time of year, and even allergies. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of that flare-up, particularly with the weather changes. But, um, you know, we've got that wonderful... COVID-19 that still lurks out there. Mm, yes, um, But, yes. you know, it's also flu season, and uh, you know, this week actually is National Influenza Vaccination Week. So I want to make sure, you know, COVID has really taken the spotlight, and I know the Omicron right, you know, variant right. now is, is out in Missouri, and more to be announced as far as, you know, how extensive that becomes, and you know, how bad symptoms are and things. But, you know, thankfully... Right now, overall flu or influenza activity is still low nationally, but, you know, the CDC or Center for Disease Control and Prevention are continuing to survey and see how, you know, the activity is. Um, we had a pretty it, minor flu season last year, didn't we, we? We did. And I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, people wearing masks. And we'll uh-huh. get a little bit more uh-huh. into that about as, as far as how it spread. But we are seeing um, kind of a slow but steady increase in the flu. In the flu. So, okay. It is still a good idea to, you know, get a flu shot. And um, obviously, like I said, we still have this wonderful COVID-19 pandemic. And of course, the COVID vaccine does not count as a flu shot. They are two completely different things. They are. They are. And more recently, they've actually approved that if, you know, say you're due for a COVID booster, and you want to get your flu shot at the same time, you can. So you can't combine anything else, like say you need a tetanus or something else like that, but you can combine a flu Flu and a COVID vaccine out on the same visit. There's still going to be two separate shots, Mm -hmm. but at least, you know, it saves you from having to come back because otherwise with any type of vaccines, you know, we're trying to do 30 days in between, but they've done enough studies that they feel comfortable that there's probably not going to be an allergic reaction. And honestly, there shouldn't be because with any of the other vaccines, you know, we've been given for years, but... You know, they're just being really conservative and trying to err on the, the side of safety to make sure we don't have anybody that has unwanted side effects um, from the vaccine. But it's it's out there. And, and influenza or flu is a very contagious uh, respiratory illness that's caused by the influenza virus. 
which infects the nose, throat, and lungs. And some people, such as you know, older people, young children, and then people with certain health conditions, are at a higher risk of some serious flu complications. There's two main types of, of flu viruses or influenza. There's types A and B. And the A and B viruses are routinely spread in people. Um, so they call those the human influenza viruses. And that's what actually causes our seasonal flu epidemics each year. And so the best way to reduce your risk of flu and its potentially serious complications is to get that vaccine every year. Now, you might say, oh, well, I got vaccinated last year. You know, why do I need to do it again? Well, the variants can change each year. So sure. they're updating sure. the vaccines with kind of the latest trends. In the past, they've always based it on what happens um, south of the equator because, you know, they have their winter first and then we get ours. So we have the benefit of that knowledge. So they'll look at what's happening, say, in South America, Australia, Uh things like Uh that. And they say, okay, these are the variants of influenza that have been causing the most problems. So then they try to manufacture those, put those in the flu shot. So that way you can get that and get biggest bang for your buck for protection. I see. I see. So that's why you have to get it each year. Um, So people that are at higher risk, um, you know, certainly can can vary, but it's especially important that you get a flu shot or a flu vaccine to decrease your risk of getting sick from the flu because if you have higher risk, you're going to be more likely to be hospitalized and or die from the flu. You know, we forget about people die Dying from the from flu, flu. Yes. every year. Yes. So who are those people? You know, gosh, am I high risk? You might be asking yourself right now. So anyone that's 65 years and older. I was going to say elderly for sure. Yep, is they're what high we risk. Think. Um, so very young and very old. Um, the very young we forget about, but children younger than two years of age. Are at high risk for flu. Yes. Okay. High, okay. high risk complications. So I'm going to say all these, all these people are, are disorders or diseases that put you at increased risk of having complications from the flu. So we said very young, very old. Asthma. If you have any type of neurologic or neural development condition, any type of blood disorder such as sickle cell disease, chronic lung disease such as uh, COPD, which stands for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and cystic fibrosis, Endocrine disorders such as diabetes, mellitus, heart disease such as congenital heart disease, congestive heart failure, and coronary artery disease, or CAD, any type of kidney diseases, liver disorders, um, metabolic disorders such as something that's inherited, or a mitochondrial disorder, those are probably less common than some of the other ones I'm saying. People that are obese, um, which particularly if you have what's called a BMI or body mass index of 40 or higher, and that's calculated based on your height and weight. Right, Um, right. If you're not sure, you can Google and do a BMI calculator to see where your BMI is to know if you're 40 or higher, to know if you're high risk. And then people that are younger than 19 years old, if they're on long-term aspirin or some sort of salicylate-containing medication, that also puts you at high risk. And then, of course, what makes sense is people with a weakened immune system due to a disease such as people that have HIV or AIDS or some cancers such as leukemia or medication. So, for instance, you're receiving chemotherapy or radiation treatment for cancer or people that are um, have some sort of chronic condition that requires you to be on chronic corticosteroids or steroids like prednisone, for instance. 
or any other type of drug that suppresses your immune system. And believe it or not, if you've had a stroke, that also puts you at increased risk. Okay. So other people that are at higher risk, but not the super high risk, if you're pregnant, that does put you at increased risk. And then people up to two weeks after the end of your pregnancy. Just, so just because you've delivered, if you've got um, a newborn at home, that still puts you at higher risk. People that live in nursing homes and other long-term care facilities. Also, people from certain racial and ethnic minority groups can be at increased risk for hospitalization with the flu, including non-Hispanic black persons, Hispanic or Latino persons, and American Indian or Alaska, Alaska Native persons. And, you know, they talk about all children younger than five are considered at higher risk for serious flu complications, but the highest risk, once again, is two years old two and younger. And okay. Um, and yeah. that's where the highest hospitalization and de- death rates are, is from those, and particularly in infants younger than six months old. Right. So, unfortunately, and... I might go into this a little bit more later, but we start giving vaccines when you're six months old mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and older. So it makes sense if you're younger than the age that you can get a vaccine that you're going to be more likely higher, to, higher to risk. be at increased yeah. risk. Yeah. So a lot of that can make sense. Now, I know, you know, most people are like, well, the flu wasn't that bad last year. Right. You know, why right. should I worry about it this year? They are seeing it. You know, hopefully it'll still be low. Um, but. You know, we also have this COVID-19 pandemic, which unfortunately I don't think is going to go away anytime soon. Ever. (laughs) So there are some similarities and differences between, you know, the flu and COVID-19 vaccine. Now, if you're not sure, you know, you're welcome to call our office at 660-890-8235. You can schedule an appointment. We do rapid COVID tests. We do rapid flu tests. You know, we can test you for both, one or the other, and hopefully get you a a more definitive answer. You know, our our tests aren't perfect and, and no one's tests are. But if they're positive, we can say with pretty good certainty, like 98%, that yes, you have say the flu, flu or COVID or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But if it's negative, it's about a 33%, um, what we call false negative. So say you have 10 people lined up that you think have the flu or have COVID, and all of those people test negative, about three out of those 10 still have, say, have. the flu okay. or COVID um, or strep for that matter, just because of how... Um, accurate our tests are you know once again it's something and it's better than nothing but no test is perfect sure sure so um but it is helpful especially for us as healthcare providers because um you know both influenza or flu and COVID 19 are both contagious respiratory illnesses but they're caused by uh, different viruses so as most people know you know COVID 19 is caused by an infection with what's called a coronavirus that we first identified in 2019 and then flu is caused by an infection from influenza viruses right now from our our knowledge and and with what the cdc or center for disease control has listed on their website COVID 19 seems to be spread more easily than the flu but as we get more people that become fully vaccinated against COVID-19, they're hoping that the spread of the virus that causes COVID-19 to slow down. And of course, you can go on their website to see more about you know COVID-19 vaccines and how well they work. But compared to the flu, what they're seeing overall is COVID-19 can cause more serious illnesses in some people. COVID-19 can also take longer before people show symptoms and people can become contagious, I'm sorry, people can be contagious for longer. So I've got uh, more information here I'm going to dive into in a minute, but because some of these symptoms for both flu and COVID-19 and other respiratory illnesses are similar, 
the difference between them cannot always be made on the symptoms alone. So that's where the testing sure. is really right. important. And that can help to tell what the illness is and confirm a diagnosis, you know, as best as we can with, you know, our limitedness um, with accuracies. But could you have both? That's a, a common question. Can you have both the flu and, flu COVID, and COVID at the same time? Same time? Yeah. I mean, we're seeing people with COVID and pneumonia at the same time. Um, I've seen people with ear infections and COVID, you know, so you can have what they call secondary infections, you know, so you get something first, whether it's flu or COVID, and then because your immune system is down, you're more likely to catch other things. Does that amplify one or the other more so or? It can. It can. So it's, uh, and like I said, you know, the symptoms can overlap. And I know sometimes they'll treat people for both conservatively um, based on what they're showing. Um, And we can go into treatment if there's time as far as what we do for the flu. But uh, I do want to focus a little bit on, and I'm sure a lot of people are questioning, you know, what are some of these similarities and differences with symptoms between both COVID-19 and the flu? Because both of them have varying degrees of your signs and symptoms, ranging from no symptoms or asymptomatic to people that are very severe. So both common symptoms that that the COVID-19 virus and the influenza virus share include fever or having kind of a feverish feeling, having chills, um, cough, shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, fatigue or feeling just really tired, sore throat, runny or stuffy nose, muscle pain or body aches, headache, vomiting and diarrhea, And then the big classic one we're hearing about, change in loss of taste or smell. So it does say you can have that with a flu, but it's seeming to be more frequent with Mm COVID-19. So as far as other similarities with uh, both flu and COVID-19, one or more days can pass between when a person becomes infected and when he or she starts to experience illness symptoms. So difference is if a person has had COVID-19, it tends to take longer for them to experience symptoms than if they had had the flu. So for the flu, typically a person experiences symptoms anywhere from one to four days after infection. With COVID-19, typically a person experiences symptoms about five days after being infected, but symptoms can appear anywhere from two to 14 days after infection. And that kind of goes with why we've had this 14-day quarantine. Right. Okay. Because some people may wait until day 14 before they show anything. Right. Right. So another common question is how long can someone spread the virus? So you get it, whether it's the flu or COVID. How long are you contagious? Um, For both COVID-19 and the flu, it's possible to spread the virus for at least one day before you're experiencing any symptoms. And this is the part, you know, with in the past, you think about how quickly the flu spreads and and how quickly COVID-19 has spread. It's because of this. Some people have it and they don't even know. They don't even know. Right. Right. So. Something that's different about um, COVID-19 compared to the flu is if you have COVID-19, you can be contagious for a longer time than if you've had the flu. flu, So with the flu, most people are contagious for once we, uh, as I said before, about a day before you show symptoms. Older children and adults with the flu appear to be the most contagious during the initial three to four days of their illness, but many people remain contagious for about seven days. Infants and people with the weakened immune systems, like I talked about earlier, can be contagious for even longer. Now, there's still 
under investigation as far as determining exactly how long someone can spread the virus that causes COVID-19. But the best that we know right now is that it's possible for people to spread the COVID-19 virus for about two days before experiencing signs or symptoms, or possibly earlier, and then remain contagious for at least 10 days after the signs or symptoms first appeared. If someone is asymptomatic or their symptoms go away, it's possible to remain contagious for at least 10 days after testing positive for COVID-19. And then the people who are hospitalized with a severe disease and also people with weakened immune systems can be contagious for 20 days wow. or longer. Wow. So that's something to think about, you know, with our folks that are being in the hospital, getting treated. You know, some people stay for weeks. Mm-hmm. Other people are mm-hmm. staying for a few days. Those people that stay for a few days when they go back home, I think family have to be aware that they're still contagious and they need right. to try to take precautions as best as they can to keep things from still spreading. So that's something I didn't necessarily think about. Right, right. So what are some of the uh, precautions we can take for to alleviate our exposure to flu, to COVID, uh, continue the same old things we've been talking about, washing our hands, keeping our distance from one another? Is there anything special that you need to do for flu versus COVID or these kind of uh, uh, emergency measures that we take are good for both? So I think if you're taking the same emergency measures, just like you said, you know, the hand hygiene, the social distancing, wearing a mask, you know, even in your own house, um, what we know with the mask is whoever's wearing the mask is protecting others around them more than themselves. So if you want everyone to be protected, say in a household, when someone comes home from the hospital, then you want everybody Everybody to wear a mask. mask. But particularly the person that just came home from the hospital, um, because the masks protect others more than yourself. Right. So in order for masks to truly be effective, you have to have everyone wear them. And I mean, if you think about it with a mask on, if you're, I'm contagious, I'm sitting over here and I'm contagious and I have a mask on, that is a covering that is keeping somewhat, as most as they can, the, the, the bad stuff inside of you to keep you from spewing it out into the air right. with those around you. So logically, I'm over here thinking like a Vulcan, like Spock or something from Star Trek, that if you've got that face covering on, that's going to protect those around you more so than yourself. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, both COVID-19 and the flu can spread from person to person between people who are in close contact with one another, and that close contact is within about six feet. Both of these viruses are spread mainly by large and small, small particles containing the virus that are expelled when people with the illness, whether it's COVID-19 or the flu, cough, sneeze, or even talk. You know, maybe you're a spitter when you talk. Right. So you get some right. saliva out. So these particles can land in the mouths or noses of people who are nearby and possibly be inhaled into the lungs. In some circumstances, such as indoor settings with poor ventilation, small particles might be spread further than six feet and cause infection. So although most of the spread is by inhalation, it may be possible that a person can get infected by touching. So, for example, if you shake hands with someone who has a virus on their hands or by touching a surface or object that has a virus on it and then touching their own mouth, nose or eyes. So, you know, you 
bathroom sink, you know, in your house, going back to that. So you may think about trying to wipe that down with, you know, bleach wipes, Clorox, Lysol, whatever you can right, find, right. Um, you know, periodically just to try to help prevent spread. Light switches, doorknobs, TV remote controls, a refrigerator door. Door handles on cars. Yep. Common sites that everybody's touching. Sure, it's sure. a good idea to do that. Or, you know, if you cough, sneeze, something like that, you know, just go wash your hands right away. And that also decreases risk of spreading. So just kind of using common sense, I think, right. goes a long way right. um, for a lot of people. And, you know, initially when the pandemic started, we had a lot of people social distance. We had a lot of people wearing masks. And that is, I think, a large reason why the flu was so low. And hopefully we'll continue to be low. But once again, it comes back to the mass and and how um, much people are wearing that. And differences that we've seen between the two viruses is while the virus that causes COVID-19 and flu viruses are thought to spread in similar ways, the virus that causes COVID-19 is generally more contagious than the flu viruses. Also, COVID-19 has been observed to have more super spreading events than the flu. So, for instance, you go to a concert and then afterwards half the people got it or something like that. Right. Would be considered like a super spreader event. So, basically, any um, event that you're at like that allows a COVID-19 virus to quickly and easily spread to a lot of people and then result in continual spreading because, you know, those people went to a concert. And I'm not telling you not to, but... um, you know, you come back home to your families, you go to work, you know, and maybe you had it because you were in that asymptomatic range, didn't know that you had it, and then unknowingly spread it. So that's the thing to kind of watch. So we talked again about, you know, people at high risk for severe illness, both COVID-19 and the flu can result in severe illness and complications. You know, thinking about the very young, the very old, the pregnant um, people are the biggest ones, but we're seeing obviously, and unfortunately, probably most of you listeners out there know at least somebody that's had a serious COVID-19 illness that's resulted in hospitalization and death. And we're seeing that even in healthy people, which once again is why you want to get vaccinated. Right, right. And then some people that have had COVID-19 can go on to develop post-COVID conditions or something called multi-system inflammatory syndrome. And then, you know, as far as complications wise, both COVID-19 and the flu can result in complications, including pneumonia. We talked about that earlier. Respiratory failure, acute respiratory distress syndrome or fluid in the lungs, sepsis, which is a life-threatening illness caused by the body's extreme response to an infection. You can have cardiac injury, for instance, uh, heart attacks and strokes, um, you know, we kind of joke about how there's strovid, which is a stroke caused by COVID. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So there's strovid out there. Uh, multiple organ failure, respiratory failure, kidney failure, shock, um, worsening of your chronic medical conditions. So involving the lungs, heart, or nervous system, or diabetes, inflammation of the heart, brain, or muscle tissues. And then obviously there's other secondary infections, um, bacterial, fungal infections that can occur in people who have already been infected with the flu or COVID-19. So differences, most people who get the flu tend to recover on their own in a few days to two weeks, but some people will experience severe complications requiring hospitalization, and then some of these complications we've already talked about. And the secondary bacterial infections can be more common with the flu compared to COVID-19. Also, diarrhea is more common in young children with the flu compared to adults with the flu. Additional complications that you can get from COVID-19 include blood clots in the veins and arteries of the lungs, 
heart, legs, or brain. And then once again, that multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. And then they also have it in adults now. And then some of you have maybe heard about something called long COVID. And that's a range of symptoms that can last weeks or months after first being infected with the virus that causes COVID-19. Or it can even appear weeks after your infection. Long COVID can happen to anyone who has had COVID-19, even if their illness was mild or you had no symptoms. So maybe, you know, at work, there was someone that was positive, and so they wanted to get everybody screened that was in close contact, never had symptoms, tested positive. You were still at risk of getting long COVID. Okay. Okay. Well, we went a little long here, Dr. Miller. We were uh, scheduled to wrap up at 10 o'clock, and we're running a little long. Great information that we need to share and get out there with the public, so we appreciate you coming by. If people want any additional information from Compass Health Network, who do they need to contact and uh, and what number to call and so on and so forth. I so, got it all right here. Yep. So our, you're welcome to schedule an appointment with um, Dr. Jason Miller or myself um, or any of our colleagues. We have Erica Augustiniak, Dr. Armbrister, and Dr. Shoemaker. Phone number 660-890-8235. And more information available online at compasshealthnetwork.org. Thank you, Dr. Miller, and uh, happy holidays to you and yours. Thank you. You as well. And we'll see you again another time. It's 95.3 KDKD and our community spotlight this morning.